This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Giraffe. Giraffe delivers an all-in-one budgeting, reporting, and forecasting platform that empowers accounting firms of all sizes to grow by saving countless hours, enabling you to provide exceptional client advisory services. Whether you're just starting out on your financial planning and advisory journey or want to optimize your existing practice, Giraffe was built for you. Later, we'll share a special offer for anyone who's ready to learn more. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. This is Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where the criminals have money burning holes in their pockets instead of bodies burning in their backyards. I'm Caleb Newquist. And I'm Greg Kite. Greg, you work at a small business, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So how, many, how many employees y'all have over there? Uh, right now, as of today, we have exactly four. That's how small of a small business we are. And everybody's full-time? Yes. All four of us are full-time. Okay. And during the pandemic, I think you heard about that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. A little bit oh, here and yeah. there. Okay. Uh, did your business experience any distress from the pandemic? Uh, we did. It was weird, though, because as the pandemic was unfolding, so our our crazy month, and maybe this is the same for everyone in any, any industry, but April of 2020 was crazy. Uh, because I work, so I, I work in industry. I'm a CPA. I don't work at a firm. I am the in-house CPA for a group of medical office buildings, and we—it's just medical. We have probably between uh, all three of our different buildings, we probably have about thirty different practices. In April of 2020, the state of Utah basically said to well, and I think it was actually national guidance too for doctors and and pretty much every specialty where they they ended up saying, hey. You can't do any cases at all because they were trying to save the PPP that was in very limited supply at the time. So they're basically saying, and, and almost every uh, office in every one of my buildings is a specialist, and they mm. were like, "You cannot, you cannot perform a surgery or do a case unless you think that by doing this case, you are preventing someone from going to the emergency room." So that was kind of the the guideline. So basically, th- th- every single office shut themselves down they were like yeah we were not supposed to do anything because we got to oh. s- save this so this you didn't pe- so your tenants aren't like surgeons and like oncologists they're more like podiatrists and like cosmetic sur- cosmetic shit or am i i'm, I'm totally it's, guessing it's all here. over the place we've got neuro okay. we got everything from neurosurgeons to ophthalmologists to Jeez louise uh, i figure the neurosurgeons would stay open yeah well well again they it depended on the case because if okay. it was uh, that was like i said the litmus test was if this if you doing something to a patient is going to keep them out of the er please do it otherwise absolutely not okay so Everybody's butt. So none up. of these folks. We'll get into this in a minute. Maybe I don't want to jump ahead. I don't know. I'm all over the place here. Okay. Let me. Don't let me interrupt. Go back. Okay. Sorry. Well. Well. So. So. So we all got very, very scared, not knowing how long that would happen. Right. And that shut down the cash flow to all of the tenants in all of my buildings. And so that's, uh, that, that's a problem. That was a big that, problem. That's a problem. Exactly. So we. But. But. In hindsight, so that's what we that's what we were facing going into 
the pandemic and kind of the worst part of it for us. Uh, in hindsight, we did uh, we did have some actual losses. We had one of our occupants. That, if, uh, so funny enough, their what they did. It was a teeny tiny office in our building. They're spe- they specialized in giving in giving vaccinations for international travelers. So they're no longer a business uh, because that. <laughs> That right. obviously was not anything anyone did for at least a year. Yeah. So, um, so they, yeah, so they want to, and it's and it's hard to actually determine the losses for that because, do you say because like I said, they're they're no longer a tenant, but their space is still vacant in our building. Hmm. I believe that if the pandemic did not happen, they would still be a tenant in our building. Sure. And so because of that, to date. We've lost about twenty one thousand five hundred dollars in rent that they would have paid had they still been an occupant and been in our building. And then we had another one of our other occupants is actually the biggest occupant in any of my buildings is a surgery center. It's an outpatient surgery center. They call it an ambulatory surgery center. And again, in April twenty twenty, they couldn't do any cases basically, so they they only paid partial rent. Uh, and we lost about $30,000 from those guys. So between those two businesses, we we lost just about 50,000 bucks due okay. to the pandemic. Okay. So with all that in mind, did you at any point during the pandemic, did you apply and receive any COVID relief money that was sloshing around? Yes, we did. And the funny thing is... Again, I so I'm a bleeding heart liberal, and oh. I live in the state of Utah, the very red state of Utah. Good, and, good. And it was really we need, we need more of you in there, Greg. Well, I I I well, me and my hand and the other seven of us in the state, right? We don't. Balance I think there's. Things. I think there is like literally. <laughs> A dozen liberals in all of Utah. About that, it, yeah. maybe not not a baker's dozen, just a standard <laughs> dozen of us. And uh, and, it, and so it was funny going into this because again, we there's a couple things. First off, we we were afraid we were going to lose money. We weren't sure that we were going to lose money. Also, when the PPP loans opened up, one of the things you could spend your PPP money on was rent. That was a valid yep. a valid expenditure. And I go, hey, if everyone upstream from us, if all of my tenants apply for and receive PPP loans, we might not lose any money because mm-hmm. they may use that to pay us. So right. I was so I was like going, I don't should we apply for PPP loans? We're probably going to be okay. And all of these staunch conservatives who get so pissed off about people living off of government handouts were like, you're absolutely going to apply for that paycheck protection program loan. And you're going to do it right goddamn now and stop asking fucking questions. Go get your hand out, liberal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so yeah, long story short. Yeah. We, well, and, and funny thing too, we applied for, and we received exactly, I, I actually double checked it for this episode. We yep. received exactly $55,500 in PPP loans. And as I said, our losses to date are about fifty thousand dollars, so we actually were right. enriched by about fifty five hundred bucks mm. uh, by these PPP loans. However, uh, like I said, if that one company was still in business, give us about six more months. If that space is still vacant, I think I could say that we're that our PPP loans uh, equaled our losses. Right. Okay. And I would be real surprised if anyone listening does not know 
Because I think we've thrown around PPP a lot, and I don't think we've actually defined it. Oh. But I'd be surprised if some, if anyone listening doesn't know what it is. But I will, for the record, just state that the PPP is the Paycheck Protection Program. And, Greg Kite, it sounds yeah. like that you became intimately familiar with this program while it was active. Is that fair to say? It's, uh, it, it is fair to say, but I've got enough friends who are in public accounting to realize that I know nothing compared to them. I know exactly because right. when I was going through all the information, all I cared about was how it applied to me and a little bit how it applied to my tenants. But even then it got crazy because we have one of our occupants is an urgent care center and they have a whole lot more staff and a whole lot tur- more turnover than I do. So their their spreadsheet that they had to create to figure out their full-time equivalencies and things like that was so much more complex that when yep. when I went to ask if they needed any help, they were like, yeah, could you look over the spreadsheet? And I was like, ugh, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I, just kidding. I think I helped them just by moral support. They actually knew right. what they were doing and just having a guy with CPA after his name, they were like, cool, we're on the right track. But also uh, the the uh, comedy club that I do most all my comedy at uh, Wise Guys Comedy Wise Club, an amazing club and Great the, club. the owner who's done so much for me over in my comedy career would ask me a few questions about PPP and it was a whole different ball game again for him because he has entirely part-time staff so and we're right. and, and it's a large part-time staff and again he's actually got turnover and comedy clubs i mean any any public venue like that was was severely limited in terms of how many people they could turn in so he actually had to yep. shut down the club for a while so he had so many we we didn't miss none of nobody at my work missed a day of work because of the pandemic but at his job they did so i found out that yeah i, I had a lot of i knew exactly what to do for my business but i all of a sudden my confidence went away when anyone in any other industry asked me any questions right. about right. how how to help them with the PPP process. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um sorry, another sidebar. Mhm. What what the fuck is with the alliteration, man? <laughs> like I just like all the Ps, I can't. It's just like so fucking irritating. Like it's like chalkboard fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just me. I just like, I find it so annoying, but anyway, I just had to, I just had to mention that. And, and this episode very specifically, we are going to talk about some frauds and, and the, the magnitude of the frauds that occurred with the PPP program. Ready to eliminate frustrating spreadsheets and save countless hours each month? Draft has created a strategic technology platform that delivers smarter financials and faster insights. Like each Draft's unique spots, their company is different from others in the market. Draft has made financial forecasting and modeling affordable and accessible to accounting firms of any size. Draft quickly integrates with your client's existing financial, HR information system, payroll, CRM, and other systems for a seamless experience to generate custom client dashboards and reports in minutes. Arm your clients with data to make better decisions faster and improve their bottom line. Draft understands the challenges of modern accounting firms when it comes to building advisory practices. As your partner, Draft is with you every step of the way. 
They give you the technology platform, but also the training, technical skills, sales, and marketing support so you can confidently sell your new services. You'll benefit from best practices they've learned from working with over 300 accounting firms so that you can take your client advisory services to new heights. Book your demo today at giraffe.com slash OMF to see how partnering with Giraffe is a win for you and your clients. For a limited time, they'll send you a pair of Tower Power socks for signing up. Offer available only in the U.S. and while supplies last. So, Greg, I think it's probably, even though I think our a lot of our audience is familiar with the PPP, I think it's fair or or good practice, let's say, to just give a brief overview of this program. Yeah, I, I think cool. that I think that that's wise, and I think that there's a lot of details that we need to bring up that people may not be, even if they're intimately aware with uh, aware of the process for how we got PPP loans, they may not be aware of some of just the stats of the PPP loan. Yeah, program in general. So yeah, yeah and I, I think, think there's, there, there's a lot of useful context here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So I'll I'll read through these. I think, and then Greg, you can chime in where you feel like chiming. Okay, I love cool. it. So over overall, the whole program was around eight hundred billion b- billion dollars. Yeah. Oh, and I'm supposed to chime in. Holy shit, Caleb! Eight hundred billion dollars. Is that perfect chiming? I know. I'm a pro. Exquisite chimer. I'm a pro. I'm a pro chimer. So these loans did not require collateral and they were low, very low interest. Right. Mine, I believe my interest on my loan, my PPP loans was supposed to be 1% if they were not forgiven. 1% right. per year. Yep. And most, like, in, if someone had an interest rate higher than that, it wasn't much higher than that. Right. And something yeah. was wrong with them just on, right. a, on a very fundamental level. Uh, the program was administered by the small business administration. Yeah. But there was a lot of, I guess it's worth noting that the treasury department did a lot of, there was a lot of consultation with the treasury and the, the, like the interim final rules, which we'll talk about in a minute, like treasury helped issue those. As I recall, does that sound that's yeah, that's yeah. Cause I, I believe what it was is like the, the treasury was the department from which the authority was derived to give the PPP loans, but the SBA was the administration branch right. to get the money. Well, but it was but it was levels too. So it was the Treasury, it was SBA. But I didn't deal with the SBA directly for any mind. Right. I dealt with I dealt with Zion's first national bank. That's is right. Who I so dealt with. That's the next point, which is all the loans were facilitated by lenders. And most of those lenders, at least the first round of PPP, most of those lenders were like regular old banks. Right. But then actually, there actually were, I didn't even know there were lenders that were not banks. Oh, yeah. So they were there were lenders that were banks. There were, of course, um, credit God, unions. My, yeah, credit unions. Uh, that's still a bank. Finte- As- fintechs. A fin- lot of fintechs made loans. Oh, okay. And um, there was also, there's also like smaller kind of nonprofit. There's, there's lenders that are organized as nonprofits. Okay that serve a particular demographic of businesses. So maybe women owned businesses, maybe uh, businesses owned by people of color. There are nonprofits that help facilitate loans for those types of business specifically. And they obviously make up a small, a very small portion of the loans that were actually made, but those are the other types of lenders that participated. Gotcha. And so here's how it worked. If you applied it was a very relatively short 
but very forgiving application. That's how I would kind of describe it. Okay. Like the, the, the response, you know, the questions were not difficult necessarily. And originally applicants only had to certify when, by signing the application that essentially certified that they, that the economic certainty due to the pandemic made the loan necessary. Right. Which is extremely. Extremely vague. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that is intentionally extremely vague. Right. And I remember that again, just going back to the fact that I, when I was applying for the loans, it was very uncertain whether we would incur any losses due to the pandemic. And I remember my butt puckering up for that and just kind of going, I I'm signing this because I believe that we may, you know, it was, there was something almost like if I'm, this is just coming from my memory. I didn't, I didn't actually look up what I, certified specifically but it yeah it was vague but it was like i'm pretty dang sure we're gonna get screwed to at least to the extent of the money that you're gonna send us so the so the ambiguity cuts both ways right where which which we'll we'll talk about because of the fraud yeah but as you point out it's also vague in the sense that oh if somebody wants to come back and put the screws to me because i didn't the economic uncertainty didn't fit some like made up criteria that they were kind of holding back, then they could theoretically come and bust your chops about it. Yeah. It was a perfect, it was a perfect application for people like me who are very, very uh, like rule oriented people (laughs) where it's like, here's how you calculate the number of employees you have. And I go, Oh goodness, I better not fuck this up. And then (laughs) you certify that you're going to make these losses. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure we have some, but I don't know exactly how many, but these, but these people are forcing me to apply for these loans, the people I work for. So yeah, it was, uh, for, yeah, for people with scruples, it, it, like you said, it cuts both ways where you're going to be going "Ah, I better do this right. So as you, you you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but the loans had to be so the the proceeds uh, the proceeds had to be used on permissible expenses. Yes, most of which had to be payroll. Yes, right for employees. Be, right, and if I'm remembering my stats right, it started off where seventy five percent of the proceeds had to yeah. be used for payroll, and then that was reduced to just sixty percent. Yep, at it was a later a at a later point. But other other eligible expenses were mortgage interest, rent, as you mentioned, and yes. utilities. Yep. Okay. And this is the last thing I'll mention about the, like the features or how the program worked. The The big thing was the forgiveness provision, right? Uh-huh. So the idea that if you spent the money in accordance with the rules, again, which the majority had to be on payroll, and you spent that money within a specified time frame as it related to when you applied, mm-hmm. then you could at a later date apply to have the fl- loan Completely forgiven. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. And that was the thing that essentially that caused like, I don't know, cha-ching sounds, I think, to go off in people's brains. Right. Yeah. With the the general understanding that says, oh, I think that means free money. Yeah. Oh, that definitely. I mean, I think from the get-go, 
it was definitely people going, oh, this is free money. We need to get this free money. Right. And that, that was absolutely the case. I do remember also that you just said some of the, you know, there were, there were various rules for how to make sure that you were able to get your loan forgiven. And even that was streamlined for business. I, I can't remember. It was like businesses that received under $100,000, I think it was. Yep. We basically yep. just had to say, yeah, we spent it on that stuff you wanted us to spend it on. And they were like, cool, forgiven. Thanks, and that guys. Was, I mean, literally, it was like that. That's really how it felt. <laughs> And Amazing. Even though we're gearing up to go, okay, here's all my substantiation for my payroll and and the other non payroll items. That, and then they're found like, oh, I can just say, I just say, I, I did what you wanted, and okay, I did, I did what you wanted. And they were like, okay, I never want to deal with you again. Keep your yeah. damn, keep your filthy money. So what's interesting about this is like, I think we just covered. I mean, we we didn't go into like all the details, obviously, but like it seemed like pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. it was anything but. Right. But it was anything but. Yeah. But it was anything but. I'll say that three times. <laughs> so there were at least, I, I, I was trying to figure out how many times they issued an interim final rule. Oh. But it was like a dozen times it was that, re- they, that they issued the interim final rule that was supposed to clarify or answer questions that people had because right. every CPA that was working on this was like, uh, sorry, uh, question. Like everybody's raising their hands about all this mm-hmm. shit because it was so incredibly, I would say poorly designed. Yeah. Well, yes. And again, I'm going to say this probably too many times throughout the course of this podcast, but I, I feel like there was a trade-off that that had to be made for political reasons where you're trying to get if if you don't get the relief funds out quickly you're going to get crucified for not helping people in their time of need but you can't get that stuff out quickly and do it in a way that's you know where where you you can't you can't say okay we've got everything totally clarified now here's your money because they still right. wouldn't have gotten the money out today if they did I mean, all that. So yeah, it was a it was a highly fluid situation. Yeah, people people were desperate yep. for help. Yeah, and so I think your point is well taken. I do, like there's a lot of benefits of hindsight here, but also I can't help but think that by taking that approach, people knew that there was people were going to exploit this po- program. Yeah. No, yeah. I I think I think you're right. And and again, I think most CPAs again, and I'll tell you I, I was so grateful during the pandemic that I did not work at a firm because again, all I had to worry about is what are what what of all this ridiculous complexity applies to me and I was able to cut out a lot of it that did not apply to me which was very nice. But if you're at a firm, you've got a bunch of fa- a panicky clients calling you constantly saying, hey, am I, am I good? And you'd have to, in my situation, you just go, here's what we know as of today. And this might change tomorrow. So yeah, it was, I mean, saying it was fluid is, is like saying, saying that, uh, that if someone turns on a fire hose, that it's fluid. <laughs> right. Right. So as you mentioned, we're going to talk about PPP fraud. And Uh so I just have some fun, fun things to share about that. First is that one study estimated that 15% of PPP loans could be fraudulent. And that 
Mm. Just a little bit more of the specifics. There was element of at least there there was at least one element of fraud, and that's how they this particular study came up with that fifteen percent okay. or about one point eight million loans for a total of. $76 billion. And the authors... $76 billion is estimated yeah. to have been stolen through uh, the PPP. Yeah, that th- those loans, there, there were elements of fraud. Yeah. And the authors claimed that that was a conservative estimate. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, NBC, who recently put out a story, kind of like a big overview of fraud in the PPP program... They they mentioned across the country so far only 178 people have been convicted in PPP fraud cases according to the Justice Department. Yeah, so a lot of people are getting away with fraud. A lot of people are. A yeah. lot of people are getting away with fraud. Yeah. But my favorite, Greg. Uh huh. My favorite. I think you'll. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll maybe this will jive with you. Maybe not. But it's from a New York Times article from tw- late 2020. A December 9th, 2020, New York Times article. And it's quoting a guy who who ran a lender. I don't remember if it was a bank. I think it was a bank. But anyway, this is the quote from the article from this guy whose name I don't have in front of me because I'm an idiot. But anyway, <laughs> this is what he said. We couldn't believe how many people were trying to take advantage and game the system. A lot of my employees, including me, were a little frustrated with humanity. Okay. So it's just, it's just it brought out the misanthropes. Yeah, Greg. yeah. Which again, I mean, it's so weird because for me, it was so like it was a math problem for me. Yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, that was it. It's just like okay, here's the numbers. Here's how you plug them in. Here's how you figure out how much your loan's going to be. That's all it was for me. But yeah, absolutely, I could see if people are just waiting for waiting for opportunities to arise to you know to 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 steal money to commit fraud, they'd be like going, oh, this is golden. Yeah. So obviously we do not have time to cover all 178 of these people that have been convicted. However, we've got two pretty good ones. And so I'm really excited to talk about these. Draft chose its name for a reason. Like the draft and its astounding height, Their solution gives finance leaders the best 360-degree view possible so you can drive your clients' businesses forward with confidence and speed. Thinking about offering advisory services and don't know where to start? Giraffe makes building your financial planning and advisory practice so much easier. Finding the right technology to efficiently offer your services is only part of the challenge. Often the more daunting part is determining how to staff, price, package, and deliver services to clients. This is where Giraffe shines. Not only do they offer the leading budgeting, forecasting, and planning technology solution, they've already empowered over 300 accounting firms with the training and resources needed to successfully build their advisory practices. What are you waiting for? Book your demo today at giraffe.com OMF, and they'll send you a pair of Tower Power socks. Offer available only in the US and while supplies last. All right, folks, our first PPP fraud case, I like to call the Lambo guy. And the Lambo guy, his name is David Tyler Hines, 29, of Miami, Florida. Just a just a pup at 29. Just, a, just, just getting started, Greg. Anyway, so here's the scoop on David Hines. He applied for... 
13.5 million dollars he applied for seven loans 13.5 million dollars across four companies so so wait seven ppp loans for four companies yes all right even right there the math isn't the math isn't making sense he must have applied at different banks for some of the same companies uh no it was all the same bank it was all the same bank but but different companies and so and fun fun source documentation in the in the show notes folks the complaint against david hines is in the show notes i invite you to read it because it's wonderful it is a good read (laughs) so anyway he claimed that he was paying employee he he that he paid employees millions of dollars in payroll in the first quarter, just the first quarter of 2020. Okay. But bank records show that virtually no payroll expenses were paid during this time. Right. And this is from the complaint. Those purported employees either did not exist or earned a fraction of what Heinz claimed in his PPP applications. Right. Which, okay. And I'm going to, I can't, I can't shut up all the way till the third segment about this. Uh, because the thing that when I read this stuff, I go, we had to submit 941s, copies of our 941s with the stuff that we, that we gave to the bank. And to me, I was like going, oh, you absolutely can't lie now because they've got the tax documents and they're, they can vouch the, you know, they can vouch these and they can basically back into our numbers based on our 941s, which for those of you who don't live in payroll tax world, that's that's your payroll tax reporting to the IRS that you give that very specifically spells out quarter by quarter exactly how much money you paid your employees and how much payroll tax you paid to the government. And the government should have received checks equaling the amounts that are on your 941s. And we had to send that in. And I go, how could you? And then I go, oh, right. We sent those to, I sent mine to Zion's First National Bank of Utah, and they don't have any process whereby to vouch the 941 that I sent them against the one that the IRS actually received. So they're just going, hey, did we get a copy of that 941? Yeah. Did the numbers look right? Yeah. Good. Next. And and the banks were swamped too, so it's not like they had extra personnel to really dig into the authenticity of the 941s that got sent in. So. That was right. that 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 was something that came into stark uh, focus as we started looking at these frauds. Go, how could they? How could they claim fake payroll? Oh, right, just lie, just 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 put in whatever they felt. Lie like. and lie and forge documents. Oh, yeah. the same thing. All frauds do. Right. Right. Okay. So for Heinz, uh, he he applied uh, through Bank of America. Okay. And Bank of America approved loans of. $3,984,557 in PPP loans. So only about 30% of what he was trying to get. Right. Um, so in th- it was three of the seven loans. Okay. And he and so they 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 basically gave him the money straight away, right? Yeah. But he spent about half a million and then B of A closed the accounts. Okay. Did, which, <laughs> yeah. which that's crazy. Did did you get any? I mean, I know that the research we do is is not you know, doesn't answer every question. Does, did it say what, like why they did that? I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm surprised the bank of America kept a close enough eye on who was, who were the payees receiving the, the PPP money. It, it's tough to say. So let me just get into this one bit. And this is from the complaint. 
instead of funding payroll, Hines spent the PPP money on personal expenses at dating websites, luxury jewelry, Jesus. clothing retailers, and Miami Beach resorts. Uh, he also spent PPP funds to purchase a 2020 Lamborghini sports car for $318,000. $497.53. That's most if, that's most of the 500,000 that he spent for them it to is. shut his account. And and what is what and so at that point I I don't remember specifically but I remember reading somewhere that shortly after he bought the car is when the account shut down. So okay. I don't know if B of A like like you know they they see this big movement of money out. And they see it's a Lamborghini's dealership, uh-huh. and they're like, oh, "Okay, we've been had." So let's, right. you know, or, let, or is it like let's shut this out? Or is it like when your credit card company like turns off your card because of suspicious activity, and yeah. they, they were like, "Oh, somebody must have hacked his account and bought a Lamborghini with we got a <laughs> for this is this must be fraud," but they thought it was like a different kind of fraud than the fraud it actually was. Yeah, yeah. So I've got some fun facts, and again, this is this all this stuff comes pretty much straight out of the complaint. Um, and so I'm going to go through some of these because these are wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay. So quoting here, the undersigned—that's the the—it was a—it was an agent from the the postal service actually who oh. who wrote, who wrote the initial complaint. Oh. But the undersigned conducted an internet search for the businesses owned by by David Hines, and found no record of any operating websites. Okay. Uh, and in the footnote, it said the only recorded activity of a business online comes from reviews on the Better Business Bureau website for only two of the companies. Both businesses were F rated. Okay. Which that's <laughs> a bad rating. Right. Not a good, not a good one. Um, okay. So he he bought the Lamborghini Uricon Evo for $318,497.53 on May 18th, 2020. The com- the VIN number is in the complaint. So okay. if anyone wants to look up, you know, the current status of that vehicle, I think you could <laughs> right. probably do that. You could do a car um, do a Carfax on uh, yeah, little do on, Carfax on, on that. the the PPP Lamborghini. <laughs> the the the, P- the PPP Lambo. Right. Um the Florida DMV had it registered jointly in in Heinz name and one of his companies. Right. Okay. Yep. Uh, the complaint which, details. Which, wait, oh, can, yes, can I can yes. I say this? There's so many weird ways that people make like dumb purchases and then justify it as a business purchase. Like if he, if you know what the you know what a car wrap is. I don't think I do. It's it, well, th- like if you see if you see a public bus and they've got mm-hmm. like an advertisement that like covers oh. the entire side of the bus. Yes, you yes. can do that for a car. Sure. And if you put a wrap on a car, then you can say, oh, that's advertisement for our business. And I wanted it to be a Lamborghini because Lamborghini really turns some heads. So this is just great marketing for yeah. our company. So I think it was pretty smart that he actually had his company being a co-owner of the Lamborghini. Obviously, it didn't help. And Lamborghinis are not a uh, a qualified expense for PPP loan proceeds, but still... That might have been at least a. It could have worked out a little bit of effort on his part to not right. just uh, you know be a. <laughs> I don't know that still he was an idiot. So, so in addition to the to the Lamborghini, the complaint details some large payments that he made from these business bank accounts uh-huh. um, with the PPP funds, and um, I, I have a few of them here, okay, including. 
$4,622.40 to Saks Fifth Avenue. Okay. $4,089 to the Fountain Blue. Fountain Bleu. Fontainebleau. Fontainebleau, Miami. Very nice hotel. I looked it up. It's okay. very swanky. Beachside, okay. nice views. Sweet. $7,264.97 uh, $7, to the Setai. Setai? Setai, yeah. Setai. Setai Hotel, Miami Beach. So two very fancy hotels. Yeah. And my personal favorite, two $15,000 payments to mom. To mom? To mom. And to wait now, two. So 30, the guy, the guy just paid 30,000 to his mommy. Yeah. Now I want this to be payments to his mom. Mom was in quotation marks okay. in the complaint. Okay. So I don't know if he put mom in the, the, the memo line of these transactions and really maybe they were high end sex workers. I have no idea, but right. what I'm, but I, I, I want it to be mom. Because that is mm-hmm. that's far funnier. That is yeah. far more hilarious. Me, me too. Where it's like it's like, hey, you know, I steal I steal four million dollars of PPP, but I'm a good son. I'm a good Damn son. Damn it. I pay my I pay my mom back. I let her drive the Lambo and I gave her thirty thousand dollars. I'm a good son. So um okay, so last last fun fact about this. According to the Tampa Bay Times. Authorities linked the Lamborghini to David Hines after he got into a hit and run accident. Oh, okay. Wait. Oh, so did, wait, he hit and he ran? <laughs> that's that's how I that's interpreted the wonderful. article. Wonderful. So not yeah. only, I mean, he doesn't seem like the most responsible guy in some for some reason all of this hey. sounds like cocaine. Hey, look. If his mother loaned him 30 grand, he paid it back, all right? <laughs> right. But mom could also be, like you said, as a quote, mom is what he called his Coke dealer. Maybe his Coke dealer. Maybe, mm-hmm. like I said, a high-end sex worker. Not sure. Hard to say. Hard to say. Anyway, so, of course, the car was impounded and it seized. Maybe not in that order. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. So, fast-forwarding a little bit, he was, and and again, Everything's in the show notes, uh, the complaint, uh, the initial uh, DOJ press release about the charges. The initial charges were uh, uh, one count of bank fraud, one count of making false statements to a financial institution, and one count of engaging in transactions in unlawful proceeds. Okay. So that's, I mean, and, and you know, you're in trouble. That's, yeah. That's, tr- oh. that's trouble. Yeah. And not, not in the good John Lewis way. That is not good trouble. <laughs> Right, right. This is bad That's trouble. Bad trouble. This is uh, um, this is font le bleu trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, fast forwarding again, David Hines pleaded guilty on February tenth, twenty twenty one. And again, DOJ press release is in the show notes if you care to look at that. And he pleaded guilty to one count of fire wire fraud, which he wasn't initially charged with. So, okay. not exactly sure that you know how that works, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. It's in the press release. Wire fraud is, it seems like it's one of the things that all of our fraudsters get caught on. Well, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think because wire fraud is so all-encompassing. Right. It's like, did you commit fraud? Yeah. Do you have a cell phone? I do. That's wire fraud. Wire fraud. Do you have an email address? (laughs) Wire fraud. Wire fraud. Yep. Yeah. And as part of the deal, he admitted to fraudulently, uh, he, uh, he admitted to fraudulently seeking millions of dollars in PPP loans through applications to an insured financial institution on behalf of these different companies. 
And he further admitted that within days of receiving the PPP funds, he used the funds to purchase the 2020 Lamborghini Huracan sports car for approximately $318,000. Wow. So he sang like a bird. He did. Yeah. He did. Well, the jig was up. But at the, the same time, up. it sounds like it's hard. It, he he knew he was he was caught. When you know yeah. you're caught, just you give up. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I mean, they had they had. In this case, they may have literally had the receipts. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Likely yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Wrapping up here. David Tyler Hines, 29, of Miami, Florida, was sentenced on May 12, 2021, to more than six years in prison. In addition to submitting false and fraudulent IRS forms to support those applications, so the 941s, bogus 941s, Mm -hmm. uh, he also assisted other individuals in obtaining fraudulent PPP loans. So he was he was generous with his. He was. He 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 helped people (laughs) apply for their. I I also help people people apply for their PPP loans, but yes, uh, but not fraudulent. Mine were on the up and up. Yeah, right. He's a giver. Yep, and. You know, uh, he had to forfeit all the remaining proceeds. Of so, course. Of course. So, yeah. The other $3.5 so million dollars of proceeds. So that, my friends, is the PPP fraud of Lambo guy, David Tyler Hines. And it, and it was wonderful. And just to plow right into our second case, I'm calling our second case... The incredible disappearing Ivasians, because because you know sounds like a uh, a circus act, and it kind of and it kind of was. Oh. So, um, so so here's what we Please got. We, proceed, proceed. We've got these. Uh, we got this couple, uh, rich, and and I'm and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing the last name right, but it's Richard. No, I, you're doing fine. I thank you, Ivasian. Uh, so Richard Ivasian and his wife Marietta Terabelian. Oh, again, also, per- also perfect. Sounds like circus performer names. Again, I'm just saying. There's there's some uh, there's some direct connections here. But these two guys. So what? Your guy? He had what? Th- about four million dollars of PPP loan proceeds. Is that what he had? Yes. Yeah. My people had eighteen million dollars of PP- PPP and EIDL loans. So ah. uh, just to make that distinction, you couldn't. You weren't supposed to get both of those. For That's any right. given business, you were either PPP or you were EIDL, and there was a lot of inform- There was I can't remember how many times as I was applying for my PPP loan, because that was the good one. That was the one that was much more likely to get forgiven, and it had a better interest rate if it didn't get forgiven. So PPP was where you want to go, and I had to countless times remind people that I in no way had applied for an EIDL loan as well. But uh, but the funny thing is they you very easily could apply for both just at, for the same business just at different lending institutions. So, okay, eight, 18, 18 million, eighteen million, amazing. And they the way they did it is they they lied too. But I I want to say they lied maybe even harder than oh. uh, than Lambo guy. They created uh, fictitious businesses to secure one hundred and fifty one different loans your guy had three loans right he applied for seven and he got three these guys got 151 loans dude what's like what which did they need did they have to hire did they have like a small accounting team like doing this like what how on earth would you well how would you do that you just it's it had to have been a lot of work 
And yeah. and you kind of go, maybe you should work at like a legit job instead of just stealing stuff because you did have that. That's a hundred and fifty one applications. Now maybe they didn't give a shit and they they just got real efficient with with filling out paperwork with, with bogus the falsification. Numbers. Yeah. Exactly. So falsification at scale. So we had Richard and his wife Marietta. I'm going to call him Dick and Mary just for the the sake of brevity. So in March of 2020, Dick and Mary and six other co-conspirators, some of whom were family, they used stolen identities and set up bank accounts for shell companies and those shell companies submitted fake payrolls and forged tax returns. And that's how they applied for their pandemic relief loans. So it was just like, you know, just like what we said, they, you can claim payroll and then you can back it up with a forged 941 and go see it. It's all right there and cross your fingers that nobody's going to check that 941 against the real thing that the IRS got. They're, they're off to a fast start. That's a lot of crime. That's right, a, right? that's it's straight a, away. It's a lot of crime, but these guys were pros too. And we'll get into that yeah. in a second. But okay. uh, so, so they, so they, they did all this stuff. They got caught for doing the bad things. And, and, and I wasn't able to exactly see how they got caught, but also I go with 151 loans. You, somebody somewhere is going to get suspicious. I, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. so I think just that, well, and and Caleb, we talked about this. There's only been a hundred and what 178 people that have been convicted of PPP fraud at, at as of the recording of this episode. Yes, and and that's not very many. But nope. also, it it's kind of like when you're speeding on the freeway and, and you see someone speeding faster than you, and you go, "Gosh, that gives me a lot of comfort." The fact that I'm going 80 and somebody just passed me going 90, I'm pretty confident I'm covered. These are the guys that were going 110 down the yeah. freeway, and and so I so it, it makes sense to me that they were caught in whatever manner they were because they were just swinging for the fences with this whole thing. Yeah. So so they got caught. Okay. They so were, they got busted. They yep, and they were convicted of of stealing. You know that, and I and again, I you you're so much more studious than I am. I, I don't yes. look at the actual yes yes I am you are lazy Greg yeah that, I hear that in your voice because uh, I don't know exactly what to, I didn't I didn't I didn't look into exactly what crimes they were convicted of but they were convicted of stealing shit from the government that's the yep. not the official title it's probably wire fraud I'll, pu- I'll put some money on wire fraud Bro, how about that <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. so, so they were, so they were convicted and they were awaiting sentencing and the prosecutors, while they were waiting sentencing, they said, Hey judge, don't, don't let these guys be released on bail. That's a bad idea to let them go on bail. Cause they're going to, they're going to, they're uh, the prosecutors thought they were a flight risk, but Dick and Mary's attorneys said, no, 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 they're, they're not a flight risk. And part, part of it, was i guess the main argument was if they were going to run away they would have done so by now and so mm. that that was the thing so the so the judge felt like the the defendants attorneys had a a more weighty argument and he allowed bail and they were released on bail and shortly thereafter on august 29th of 2021 dick and mary cut off their monitoring ankle braces and poof Disappear. They were just gone. Nobody could find these guys, uh, uh, and and they because and they had well and listen they were they had these 
ankle bracelets on and they were under house arrest in the $3.25 million home that they purchased with their bad PPP money. So they're like, hey, give us $18 million. And by the way, we're going to spend 3.25% of that on this, this mansion. And oh, we're in trouble. Oh, no, we have to be in house arrest in our $3.25 million mansion that we bought with the bad money that we're in trouble for. So where were the so these folks were located where they they were in uh, they, they were in uh, the San Fernando Valley area of California. Oh. So so basically, uh, you know, Los Angeles, larger Los Angeles area, the yeah, greater Los the Angeles, gra- area. the greater Los Angeles yep, area. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So three million is a decent house in L.A. It's a yeah, that's true. I guess that's true. Three million it's a decent house. It's maybe not a mansion. Yeah. In L.A., but it's uh, you know it's not it's they it definitely wasn't squalor, right? It's um, not a Kevin. It's not a Kevin Hart house. No, 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 no. It's not a not a Kevin Hart. It's not a uh, come on, uh, who's the guy? Not not a MC Hammer home, but it's, but it's fine. You're not a, wow. That's a deep cut. Greg. Yeah, that's it's, a real deep cut. <laughs> so another fun fact. Uh, so, uh, so Dick and Mary, the two, the two PPP loan, uh, ringleaders here, they fled, they cut off their, their ankle bracelets and they disappeared. But the, the people that did not disappear along with them were their three teenage children that they were just like, Hey, you got here on your own. Don't stay in school and bounce poof. There's, there's soda in the fridge. You can order pizza. Exactly. 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 We still have. There's still plenty of the 18 million dollars that we stole to to get you guys some uh, lucky charms and milk, which teen, that's all a teenager needs. You know, I mean, I remember those days fondly, and yes, I mean, mm-hmm. you could you could live on much less actually if you've got your 3.25 million dollar home and three teenagers there. Your liquor cabinet is probably going to be ransacked. I did think it was interesting, too, that the FBI offered a $20,000 reward leading to their arrest because it's like mm-hmm. they already stole $18 million from the public. Doesn't the $20,000 reward also come out of the public's money? So it's sort of insult to injury or injury yeah. to insult. Um, uh, other other interesting facts, and we've talked about this with other cases that we've that we've done. This was not Dick and Mary's first rodeo here either. They were convicted of mortgage fraud a decade ago, which made me think, gosh, what was going on a decade ago? Oh, right. The Great Recession, where everyone who was evil took advantage of these, you know, there was mortgage fraud galore going on a decade ago and people getting in trouble for it. And these two were caught up in that. So they had been convicted of mortgage fraud. Apparently that time they did not receive any jail time for Mm. the mortgage fraud they did, but they were convicted of it. And while this stuff went down with them uh, being on trial for the PPP loan fraud, they were awaiting trial on completely unrelated mortgage fraud charges right now. So they had been convicted of mortgage fraud. They currently were convicted of PPP loan fraud, and they were about to go to trial for additional mortgage fraud uh, charges that that they had, and and so and and it was the same thing that they did to get the PPP loans. They used they used fake or stolen identities, and they'd set up companies, and then they'd they'd take out these loans uh, for those people. So they they knew what they were doing, and like you Yeesh. said, Caleb, they're busy, and likely 
I mean, this, this was their MO was taking out fake loans uh, with stolen identities. So when the PPP loan stuff came out, they were like going, this is what we've waited for. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and our that, ship has come in and they went in full bore with 151 loans, man. So again, they, they were pros at this whole thing. Good one. And Good. then, and so while, while, so they disappeared, they still had, uh, they continued the trial uh, in in absentia is that the right in, a, in absentia yeah correct in absentia see I, I fine can, I say fine Latin I say smart words there. every now and then you erstwhile Greg. CPA mm-hmm. and these guys in absentia they were <laughs> Dick was sentenced to seventeen years in jail Mary was sentenced to six years in jail but they were nowhere to be found <laughs> because they were gone they were nowhere to be found from August from late August. 2021 they were just recently captured well as of the recording i don't know when you're listening to this but from where we're recording this it was recent they they were captured february 23rd 2022 in caleb you saw the notes but uh but but if you were to guess where these guys were going to get captured would you have guessed the nation of montenegro that would not have been my first guess. It wouldn't no. have been mine either. I I even didn't realize Montenegro was a was a country. It's a one of the it, it used to be Yugoslavia, and when Yugoslavia was broken uh, up into a bunch yep. of Slavic states, Montenegro was one of the I believe four countries that Yugoslavia was broken up into. So they yeah. were in Montenegro. Okay. And as of the recording of this podcast, they have not yet been extradited to the United States of america from montenegro but they were taken into custody so so let's see august september october november december january so six months they had a good six months on the lamb in the apparently the very beautiful and uh Mm -hmm. land of montenegro montenegro living high on the although i don't know if they were able to take any of their money with with them i kind of assume not a lot i don't know given given the mo my my hunch is that there's some money stashed overseas. Yeah, they probably weren't living on couches. No. So so yeah. So that no. was the that was the case of the disappearing, uh, the incredible, the incredible disappearing Ivasians. Poof, we're gone. So Greg. Uh, did we learn anything? I, I feel like I did. And and so oh. and, and most of the stuff that I that I feel like I learned, I, I already spilled the beans on what my what what my learning was. Like for instance, it was <laughs> it was a big deal when we started getting into this. I thought that that me having to submit my 941s was a 100 percent fraud prevention <laughs> tactic. Right. And and then in hindsight, now that we look at these cases, oh, it absolutely was not a fraud prevention tactic. But yeah, you underest. I think you underestimated people's willingness willingness to just make shit up and put it on the floor. Right. And and again, and and I guess maybe the other thing when I even unpack that more is I go, these guys who are doing this fraud, they must have gone. Oh, I'm giving this to a bank, not to the IRS. So the bank can't check to make sure that the numbers are right. And hmm. I wonder, and I wonder if the fraudsters are even going, oh, right. And there's like thousands and thousands of application 
applications that every bank has to get through and that they're going to get bad reviews or you know they're going to get they're going to suffer damage to their reputation if they don't get these loans out quickly so so that i think they just realize oh i can absolutely swing for the fences or at least the you know the people that we covered realized that they could uh, yep. swing for the fences and and they did so yeah, I th- that was that was a real light bulb that came on for me. Uh, just preparing for this episode was one of the things. Another one, and, and again, touched on this before, but uh, you know, similar to the banks, you know, that their reputations would be damaged if they weren't able to deliver on the PPP loans quickly. The federal government was had the same problem going on, where they were like, "We got to get a lot of money out to a lot of people as quickly as possible." And the only way you can do that is by doing exactly that. And I think that people in government are have been again. It's not their first rodeo either. And I think they realize, oh, there are they, they're not going to say this out loud, but I'm sure they realize, oh, there's tons of ways for people to steal this money from us. But we'd rather open ourselves to the risk of getting money stolen than not help people who are actually in need quickly. Right. And, and I kind of look at that, you know, and again, I'm not sure if it really came down to a calculus like this, but right. I, I remember when I learned that a lot of retail stores make a calculation where they go, oh, we know that we're going to lose X number of dollars from shoplifting every year. But then they go, okay, the way to get rid of the, the way to reduce that is to hire security guards and which which one's actually going to give me more profit? And a lot of times they go, oh, we're going to have fewer security guards. We're going to allow more shoplifting because that's that's the sweet spot for us maintaining a profit. And I think the federal government is not so much maintaining a profit, but it's maintaining the political. You know, not getting not getting railroaded politically for not acting in in right. the, the speed with which the, the the American people were expecting. Yeah. No, that's all. That's all pretty good. Yeah, that's all pretty good. Great. And then I and, think the, and yeah. then the other thing. I don't what? know if I, I you got something else. I got one other thing. And again, okay. I don't know if I learned this from this. I think it was just reemphasized. National emergencies create huge opportunities for fraud. Whether 100%. that's like FEMA when we have massive Ugh. hurricanes or the PPP loan or who knows what else. There's tons of opera when when shit hits the fan. That's when you can make a lot of money as a fraudster, especially if you're the guy going 90 miles an hour, not the guy going 110 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so here's my main takeaway, and I've written about this a little bit, but we have a very high tolerance for fraud in this country. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more. I know. Well, I read your post about this. Yes. I will. I will revisit the, uh, the one study that estimated that 15% of these loans could be fraudulent uh, for a total of $76 billion. That's an enormous amount of money that is in the hands of people that should not have it. Mm -hmm. And we aren't probably going to do much about it. Right. So when you say tolerance, what do you mean? Because I, I feel like people well, just, look at this yeah. and go, go. These people who stole this money were bad people. There was a lot of people who were faced with just dire economic consequences from this pandemic, and these bastards stole money. You know, they they stole food out of the mouths of starving babies is basically how they see this. So I don't, I don't know if there's tolerance for the fraudster, 
or tolerance or we mean something different by tolerance i think i think just as a just as a yeah i think what by tolerance is like all this money as you point out like could have gone to legitimate businesses that legitimately need it and i think there will be very little consequences for the the misappropriation of citizens tax dollars yeah. right like we're just we're just not like I don't know, it, you made it recalled something that I wrote recently. Like, and, and a lot of a lot of people think about I think government programs in kind of this way. Like, oh, you know, there's lots of fraud and this and that and whatever. And the point that I like to make, like, if people make um, what's a common one, like the earned income tax credit, like people complain about the fraud in that program a lot. Yeah. And I say, just because there's some fraud. That does not mean that the program should be done away with. Right. Or because there's Medicare fraud, because there's Medicare fraud, that doesn't mean we're going to get rid of Medicare. Because there's insurance, just because there's insurance fraud, that doesn't mean fucking Liberty Mutual is going to shut its doors. You know, it just, it, you know, and so th- like it's, it's kind of just baked into like the, 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 the fraud is just kind of like baked into the system, as you say, or as you said earlier, it's like, this is kind of maybe fraud is just a cost of doing business, uh, whether that's government business or whether that's private sector business. Fraud is just hmm. part of the calculus. And it's a small enough part of the calculus that people are like, yes, 76 billion, a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of things, not so much that we are, you know, gonna, you know, not do this again if the circumstances were right, the same. Right. Where it's kind of like it's kind of like they're not they're they're by no means justifying the fraudsters. They can be like these guys that stole us PP P money. Those guys are are heartless bastards and 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 just plain bad people. But, you know, what you can do? Shit happens <laughs> when when you got a global pandemic, right? Right. That's right? that's the tolerance where it's like it's more like just the shrugging going, "Hey, you know, but but that's you know that's I think that's, that's, that's it. I think that I think that's it too. Is like it's the kind of the shrug where I'm just like, really, we're just shrug, we're just gonna yeah. shrug about the yeah. seventy six billion, yeah, give or take a few billion. I don't know that, and I think that's where I kind of am like, where I'm like grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, it's just right. Like, well, that's fucking bullshit. And, like, yeah. But I mean, this guy, the, the guy from your story, uh, the 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 fabulous disappearing uh, Ivasians, Ivasian. Uh, I mean that dude. They got him for seventeen years. Like yeah. that is, oh, yeah. Like no thanks. Yeah. Don't I don't need that. But it was so I, fl- it's so flagrant, and, and they even and yeah. the court the court reporting that I did read, uh, which was not none, said that the, uh, the <laughs> greater the, than zero. The, the judge was like was like clearly you. There was something about he said he said you see committing fraud as an accomplishment is what it was it was something it was like it was like when when you your vision board has more frauds on it and uh, so that was part of his his uh, very uh, heavy burden of of sentencing that he received. All right. Yeah. Uh, any 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 other lessons, Greg? I mean, we've we've covered some good stuff here. Yeah, I think I think we've we've t- well. I guess the other the other lesson is that uh, when you get down to it, I I keep waiting to to see frauds where I'm like, oh wow, that was really original. And again, this was forging documents and and making up numbers. Yeah. So tried tried and true stuff. Yeah. Falsification of 
Yeah, you know, whatever. It's always the same. Bank fraud. New, uh, what is it? Different, same shit, different day. Yeah. Same fraud, different day. I am looking forward to the day when we get to discuss a novel fraud. Yeah. And Greg Kite is like, you guys, holy shit. This has never been done before. (laughs) Let's get into this. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be good. I It'll can't wait fun. for that too. That's going to be so anyway, exciting. In the meantime, as far as we'll be, we'll be reading about PPP for like, I, I, do you think we'll, we'll be reading about this PPP front for like a decade? I, like this yeah. stuff, it's just going to trickle out, you know, yeah. year after year after year. Yeah. There'll be a good, uh, a good docu-series on this at some point, I imagine. Maybe, maybe we, maybe, maybe somebody should give us some money to produce that. Yeah. We would, I mean, we God, would, that we, like would a lot of work, we would gladly though. take that and we'd even do, do the right thing with the money maybe, that you give us. Yeah. Maybe, but I mean, maybe we would go to Montenegro. Yeah. We might need a <laughs> Lamborghini to shoot the film, <laughs> right. especially the right. part about the Lamborghini. We got, yeah. it's, it's just part of the production. We want high part production of production. Values. It's part of the production. Yeah. Well, all right, guys, that's it for this episode. Uh, and remember if your mom loaned you money and you paid her back with fraudulently obtained funds, it does not count. And also remember that if your parents flee the country after being charged with numerous felonies, it's not your fault. Caleb, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, Greg. It's not your fault, Caleb. It's not your fault, Caleb, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, Greg. Stop fucking around, man. (laughs) Greg, let's see. What do we need to do here? Oh, threw me off so bad oh yeah hey, yeah if we, you've got a story of fraud if you've got a story of fraud and you want to send it to us email email it to oh my fraud at earmarkcpe.com greg where are you on the internet uh i'm all over the place on the internet especially if you know how to spell my name correctly uh but the best places are twitter at greg kite kite spelled with a y and also you can find me on linkedin uh greg kite cpa bald guy currently my my picture shows me in a white shirt and a black tie caleb what about you where can people find you out there i'm on twitter at cnuquist and linkedin my full name Caleb Newquist. And I'll tell you guys, it has been fun on social media because people do ping us from time yep. to time with some with some fun cases that we have that we were unaware of. So if you've got a favorite fraud, please either send it to that email of my fraud at earmarkcpe.com or just throw it to us through social media. We love that. Keep it coming. Oh my fraud is written by me, Caleb Newquist, and Greg Kite. Our producer is Blake Oliver music supervision sound design editing and mixing by zach frank if you like the show leave us a review or share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe on apple stitcher spotify or wherever you listen join us next time for more avarice swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say oh my it's not your fault